0: You do you. Let TrueGreen do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed.
1: Say goodbye to performance robbing engine deposits with Shell V-Power Nitro Plus Premium Gasoline. Hate to break it to you, but lower grade fuel can leave deposits in your engine that build up over time and leave your engine's performance severely lacking. Thankfully, Shell V-Power Nitro Plus Brennan in Washington and this week on Face the Nation. Breaking news this morning as the massive operation to vaccinate hundreds of millions of Americans is officially underway. The very first Pfizer vaccine shipment left a factory in Kalamazoo, Michigan early Sunday. Its distribution across the U.S. is just the first step in a staggering logistical operation expected to go well into 2021.
3: D-Day
4: was the beginning of the end, and that's where we are today.
1: Celebrating that victory, President Trump took in the annual Army-Navy game in person, attempting something normal in a year that has been anything but.
0: This is one of the greatest scientific accomplishments in history.
1: But the challenge of convincing the roughly 75% of Americans who need to take the vaccine in order to actually beat the virus will fall to his successor
5: make it clear to the public should have confidence in this and it will be months
1: before supply can fill the demand months that tens of thousands of Americans may not have unless they follow the pleas to wear masks social distance and follow CDC guidance
6: we're about to walk into the Hanukkah surge and the Uh, Christmas surge and the Christmas week surge and the Kwanzaa surge and New Year's Eve and New Year's Day.
1: The number of COVID-19 deaths, hospitalizations and new infections continue to break records daily. Medical providers are stretched to their limit and hospitals are at or near capacity. This crisis that we have right now, the vaccine is not going to save us. We'll talk with Health and Human Services Secretary Alex Azar, plus former FDA Commissioner Dr. Scott Gottlieb and the head of Hackensack Meridian Health, Robert Garrett. They'll start vaccinating frontline workers Tuesday. Then, as the streets of Washington fill up with protesters yet again, we'll tell you why so many Trump voters support his desperate yet futile efforts to overturn the results of the election. Incoming White House senior advisor Cedric Richmond will join us to talk about that. It's all just ahead on Face the Nation. Good morning and welcome to face the nation. We begin with good news today. The first shipments of the COVID-19 vaccine are on their way to those who will receive them first. Frontline health care workers and elderly nursing home residents. But at the same time, the death toll in the United States is closing in on 300,000 and CDC director Robert Redfield warned Thursday that we will probably have more deaths per day than we had on 9-11 or Pearl Harbor over the next 60 to 90 days. We begin this morning with CBS National Correspondent Mark Strassman in Atlanta.
3: Code Blue in Minneapolis, where COVID bullies Methodist Hospital every day. Its exhausted staff has a white knuckled grip on hope.
1: These people are dying alone. Where is this
7: light at the end of the tunnel? I'd like to see it.
3: COVID America's three major benchmarks get bleaker by the day. Deaths. Los Angeles County has had more of them than 40 states.
8: Over 8,000 people, sorry. Over 8,000 people who were beloved members of their families are not coming back.
3: Twice this week, COVID killed more than 3,000 Americans in a single day hospitalizations now at 108,000 patients and climbing. New Mexico's overwhelmed hospitals now ration care. Who's most likely to survive? One third of Americans live in areas critically short of ICU beds.
7: We have 60 patients holding in our emergency department that are waiting for beds inside the hospital.
3: This California hospital converted its lobby into a COVID ward. But there's no easy way to create more doctors and nurses, and many hospitals report running short of needed staff. Here's why. New cases. They hit an all-time high on Friday, more than 231,000 in a single day. The whole country's on fire. Uh, Everybody's surging,
2: everybody's stressed.
3: Which brings us to where hope lives, rolling out the Pfizer vaccine. Almost three million doses are shipping this weekend, bound for sub-zero freezers in all 50 states. Injections will begin tomorrow for top priority Americans, high-risk healthcare workers, who've battled the killer virus the last 10 months. We are not done until every American has access to the vaccine. But demand dwarfs supply. Many hospitals have no idea when their vaccine shipment will show up, or how much to expect. And this national inoculation will take time. Predictions call for 100 million vaccinated Americans by February. That's less than one third of the country. Margaret.
1: Mark, thanks. Vaccinations are already underway in the UK. CBS senior foreign correspondent Liz Palmer reports.
8: Good morning. As the U.S. prepares to start vaccinating its citizens, the program that began here in the U.K. on Monday in 50 hospitals, apart from a couple of temporary allergic reactions, has gone without a hitch. 90-year-old Margaret Keenan was first. With no report, she suffered any side effects. Just so strange and uh, so wonderful, really. By the end of the week, tens of thousands had been done. The UK had asked retired nurses to return to work to help inoculate the initial batch of 400,000 people. First, the very elderly and also frontline medical staff. In place and working well is a complex transport system to keep the Pfizer vaccine at sub-zero cold until it's ready to be used. In Asia, another vaccine is making its widespread debut. China's Sinovac version. Here's the first load of a million doses arriving in Indonesia, which has just suffered its most lethal COVID week yet. Russia too is sharing its Sputnik vaccine. It arrived in Serbia this week and is being trialed in Brazil, which still has one of the worst infection rates on Earth. The vaccines are good news, but global immunization is going to be a long, slow haul. Meanwhile, as a masked and cautious Europe heads into the holiday season, the virus is still spreading dangerously, even in countries like Germany, which did well at the start. The infection rate there is so alarming that Germany has announced today it's going to go back into a strict lockdown on Wednesday that will shut schools and ban drinking in public. There have been some failures as well on the vaccine development front. A couple of promising trials, one Australian and one Anglo-French, were stopped this week because the vaccines had yielded disappointing results. Margaret?
1: Liz Palmer, thank you. We wanna go now to the Secretary of Health and Human Services, Alex Azar, he's at HHS. Good morning to you, Mr. Secretary.
9: Morning, Margaret, thanks for having me.
1: Operation Warp Speed told Pfizer to ship out just short of 3 million doses this week. Then hospitals and the recipients will vaccinate their workers. How many actual shots in the arm do you expect to have happen this week?
9: Uh, so we're shipping 2.9 million doses of vaccine. So whenever they get them in arms, that's 2.9 million people getting vaccinated. We're reserving that second dose of vaccine you so expect that they can get that, to that be be later.
1: 2.9 million people receiving those doses this week.
9: Uh, I didn't say this week, as soon as they're able to vaccinate. Now, I will say, as the health commissioner in South Carolina said, we're going to be using this vaccine, not storing it. So I think it'll go pretty quickly.
1: Okay. well, I want to ask you specifically about something CBS revealed. They said they're not going to start vaccinating, even though they're receiving it this month, until December 21st, because the Trump administration told them to wait until that date. Why is the Trump administration asking nursing homes to wait?
9: Yeah, no, we're not actually asking the nursing nursing homes to wait. And we were able to have a really good discussion with CVS leadership about this misunderstanding that they had uh, at the President's Vaccine Distribution Summit. So I think we've gotten that all straightened out with them. And uh, we'll be getting CVS and Walgreens vaccinating our nursing home people. 100, almost 100 percent of our nursing homes have signed up with that program for a turnkey vaccination operation. And You know what's amazing?
1: Well, when is will by that Chris, start, by- then?
9: Well, it it can start really any day. The vaccines are going out as soon as they receive vaccine. uh, This is according to the governor's telling us to ship to them. We could have every nursing home patient vaccinated in the United States by Christmas. It's really a remarkable, remarkable prospect for all of us who have loved ones in nursing homes that we may approach Christmas with that level of comfort that our our loved ones have gotten some initial protection already.
1: Certainly, given that 50,000 nursing home patients are getting infected a week, uh, let's watch and see when those begin we will we will track that but overall uh, for the general population and these shipments uh, why the decision not to be more aggressive out of the gate are you concerned that the governors who will be receiving and then in charge of distributing it that the states aren't quite prepared
9: no not at all uh so we're being very aggressive we're shipping all that we have that while we're holding back a reserve for the second dose you know this is a vaccine that is labeled you ha- aren't for two there doses. more
1: than six million doses produced by pfizer at this point
9: so so they're about they're about 6.4 million doses so we've held a reserve which as general perna has discussed we this with the first shipment it's important to keep a safety stock there and we're shipping half of the remaining so that's 2.9 million doses going out listen this is about measuring twice cutting once we're launching a very complex nationwide distribution program. Do it right, do it measured, get the job done right, anticipate problems but know there are going to be hitches and hiccups as we go and we will work to solve it. This is the U.S. military that is running this operation. It's what they do. We're mm-hmm. using the private sector entities. As they said at the summit, this is what we do. They know how to do this and let's let them do their jobs.
1: So you still expect to vaccinate 20 million people by the end of the month, even though you just shipped out 3 million doses this week?
9: Oh, sure. Yes. We, so we'll be getting more and more Pfizer product and we've got a 12 and a half million of Moderna product, assuming that we get approval at the end of this week on Moderna that will ship out very soon thereafter. So 20 million vaccinations this, this month. And then we think we'll be up to 50 million total vaccinations of, of people by the right. end of January and 100 million shots in arms by the end of February, just with the Moderna and Pfizer vaccines.
1: Right. I mean, you won't be in office then, but you believe the Biden administration will be able to meet that mark?
9: If, if they carry forward with the plans that we've put in place, 100 million shots in arms by the end of February is very much in scope.
1: OK, so I know you're relying on governors to oversee what happens with their constituents. If a state, though, is moving too slowly, will you claw back the vaccine that U.S. taxpayer money purchased?
9: You know I I don't want to I don't want to think about that type of a penal approach we'll work we have, we have we'll work with the states um, we have uh, dedicated teams that are working with the Can states you do and that if, though? if it's Yeah, absolutely. Well, could we pull it back? I don't even want to talk like that. Our governors are very competent. They know what's going on in their states. We've worked with them through this for 11 months. We've planned for six months on this. No, this is a cooperative relationship, Mm -hmm. but we'll work with them to help them, give them any tools they need to to make this work. That's the attitude to approach this with, I think.
1: Okay, because a lot of the governors um, have chimed in with this report that the National Governors Association released in the past few days, raising concerns that they're not getting enough support. In fact, they say they need $8.4 billion to be able to do this. They've only been promised about 200000000 million. Isn't it yeah, the Trump administration's responsibility to help get them the money to execute?
9: Well, Margaret, we are getting them the money. They actually haven't. New York, to give you an example, as of a week ago, New York State and New York City haven't drawn down a penny of the money that we've made available for the vaccine distribution efforts. I think we've had 1% of the money's available drawn down. And part of that is there's a bit of partisanship going on, let's be honest, with this NGA thing. What, what's happening is we bought the vaccine. They don't have to pay for vaccine we're paying to distribute the vaccine. We and private payers are paying to administer the vaccines. We have set up turnkey operations with pharmacy programs to administer the vaccines. The states need to operate as air traffic controllers. I've been in South Carolina with the governor's team. I've been in Tennessee with the governor's team. Money's not the issue, and they've got very good plans. And, but well, this is a bipartisan not gonna, money group, won't be as the you know,
1: that says they need the money. 12 states say they need more federal guidance on data reporting, training, communications. 12 states say they're waiting on information from the federal government and distribution. Seven states are concerned about funding from the federal government. Others say they need more federal coordination among the pharmacies to roll out at the long-term care facilities, the nursing homes we talked about. Why hasn't this been worked out?
9: Margaret, it has been worked out. There's just a lot of partisan sniping going on right now, when we ought to be celebrating the fact that we have got millions and millions of doses of FDA-safe and effective vaccine going out. Our governors have this. We have worked out on all 64 public health jurisdictions in this country. We have worked out comprehensive plans. We have provided feedback back and forth at the actual technical level, this is working. It will work. It's under control. We're leveraging the private distribution system that works every year for flu vaccines and other vaccines. Mm -hmm. The people involved, DOD, CVS, Walgreens, FedEx, UPS, McKesson. What they said on Wednesday at the summit is, this is what we do. Let us do our jobs.
1: Right. Again, this is a bipartisan group. Uh, The president signed an executive order Monday saying that it would, he would, prioritize Americans by not allowing the drug to be exported until after Americans have been vaccinated. How's that actually going to work? Are you going to seize supply?
9: So the executive or actually the first part that you refer to is always going to be the case. We're always going to make sure that Americans are getting vaccinated first with the fruits of Operation Warp Speed. So are you going to stop Pfizer
1: from exporting its vaccine to our allies?
9: Uh, Margaret, we will ensure that our contracts are fulfilled here in the United States, but the important part was the second part. That was actually the new part, which said we have 900 million doses under guaranteed contract for the United States. We have total options and guaranteed purchase for 3 billion doses. We have significant manufacturing capacity. And what the executive order says is, we're going to make those surplus doses and we're gonna make that capacity available to our friends and allies around the world. And the Secretary of State and I are to build a plan to make that happen. That was actually the news out of that executive Mm -hmm. order that people aren't noticing is, we're gonna always be the leading global public health security country in the world supporting people.
1: Okay, so exports will continue. Thank you, Mr. Secretary, uh, for your update and good luck. Louisiana Democratic Congressman Cedric Richmond. He is soon leaving Congress to join the Biden White House as a senior advisor, and he joins us this morning from Kenner, Kenner, Louisiana. Good morning to you.
6: Good morning. How are you, Margaret?
1: I'm doing well. I want to start on the news of the day, and that has to do with these vaccines. Uh, April 29th will be 100 days in office for uh, then-President Joe Biden. He says he wants to deliver 100 million vaccinations uh, into the arms of Americans by that date. So what planning are you all doing now to change the Trump administration's distribution system, or are you sticking with it?
6: Well, we don't know if we need to change it or not at this point. We've met a couple times uh, this past week with Operation Warp Speed. And we're getting up to date, but we still have more information to get from them and more information about their distribution plan. And look, the one thing about uh, President-elect Biden is that he is honest and he's transparent. And so what we don't want to do is mislead the American public, public, over-promise and under-deliver. So that's why we are being uh, as cautious as we can in our estimates of numbers to make sure that we are being frank and honest with the American people.
1: Well, the president-elect did say uh, he'd prioritize people in long-term care facilities, frontline workers, and educators. Um, Are you going to leave it up to the governors to decide how to roll out vaccines in schools, or should teachers be mandated to take those shots?
6: No, we're going to communicate with uh, governors. And look, one of the priorities for uh, President-elect Biden is to get schools back open and get kids into schools. And that means We're going to have to put resources in it, which is why a deal from Congress to help uh, education facilities and schools open up is important. Making sure the vaccine gets to those teachers and students uh, is important. And so uh, it's one of our top priorities.
1: Okay. So you're not going to mandate teachers get vaccinated?
6: Well, I don't think we're going to mandate uh, anything. uh, But what we're going to do Uh, is appeal to the American people to rise up to their uh, civic duty and let's all get on the same page. And so uh, that's still to be determined, but uh, we'll see what happens.
1: Okay. You uh, in your new role uh, in the Biden administration have described it as also being a conduit in some ways for outreach to Republicans. Two-thirds of the Republican conference, including your friend, Congressman Steve Scalise, have supported this failed effort by, by Texas to get the Supreme Court to try to overturn the results, uh, and he says he still supports the president's attempts to do so. If, if two-thirds of the Republican conference doesn't recognize Joe Biden's victory as the president-elect, how can you do business with them?
6: They recognize Joe Biden's victory. All of America recognizes Joe Biden's victory. This is just a small portion of the Republican uh, conference that are appeasing and patronizing the president on his way out because they are scared of his Twitter power and other things. And so uh, when it's time to govern, if we can't co-op, if Republicans won't meet us halfway, we will go to the American people and we will continue to push our agenda. But this country is in far too much uh, turmoil and this pandemic, the economic aspects and health aspects really caused for America to get on one page, solve yeah. this crisis and start to move forward. So you don't so, take it seriously. Uh, we're not going to let him slow us down. No, I don't. I talk to Republican members of Congress all the time and uh, they say one thing privately, they say another thing uh, publicly. But mm-hmm. uh, the one thing I will tell you is they realize he lost this election.
1: The president-elect's son, Hunter Biden, revealed this week that he is the target of a tax-related, as he describes it, investigation by the U.S. Attorney in Delaware. Unless President Trump's Justice Department uh, clears Hunter Biden of wrongdoing before leaving office, it's going to be presented as a question for the Biden administration's uh, Justice Department as to how to proceed with the inquiry. Um, Should a special counsel be appointed to remove any questions? about propriety here?
6: We won't make any comment on that. What I will say emphatically is that uh, President-elect Joe Biden has said over and over again during the campaign and saying now that he wants an independent Department of Justice, unlike what we've had for the last four years, and that he will trust that Department of Justice uh, to do their job. And he's not going to meddle with the Department of Justice because it is that important to the rule of law, confidence of the American people, and to our government. So yeah. uh, Hunter Biden issued his own statement, and I think the statement speaks for itself.
1: So it, it does remaining independent, does that suggest that um, the incoming attorney general, whoever that person is, since one hasn't been named yet, should they recuse themselves from this case?
6: Look, I'll let the incoming attorney general decide. Uh, that is not my area of expertise. But our position is that uh, the incoming Attorney General should be independent, the Department of Justice should be independent, and we will go from there.
1: Any timeline on when we might hear who that new AG might be?
6: No, I can't, I absolutely can't tell you. Uh, I can't, I can't get into President-elect's mind about when he's going to roll out his uh, remaining cabinet members.
1: I want to quickly ask you, um, there was violence again in in washington dc with these pro-trump protests and was also president present according to our reporters are you concerned about this kind of violence around the inauguration
6: well look we're concerned about uh violence anywhere and especially as we uh go into the holiday season uh the stress uh continues to mount up on our families uh, but look we want to be clear that uh where there's violence concern it is not That is breaking the law, Uh, peaceful protests are one thing, but breaking the laws Mm -hmm. is another uh, thing altogether. And so we are worried about it.
1: All right. Congressman, thank you for your time. Although Operation Warp Speed is underway and the vaccine is coming, health officials are warning Americans not to become complacent, especially over the holidays. You may be over the coronavirus, but the coronavirus is not over you. For the latest CDC guidelines, visit cbsnews.com. We'll be right back with more on the Pfizer vaccine rollout from the CEO of Hackensack Meridian Health, Robert Garrett. Former FDA Commissioner Dr. Scott Gottlieb also joins us.
8: Stay with us.
1: Welcome back to face the nation. Robert Garrett is the CEO of Hackensack Meridian Health, the largest health network in New Jersey. His group will receive the Pfizer vaccine tomorrow and will begin vaccinating healthcare workers Tuesday. He joins us from Hackensack. Good morning
5: to you. Good morning, Margaret. Thank you for having me.
1: Well, uh, thank you for joining us. I I know uh, New Jersey uh, has been hit very hard by COVID-19. The governor this morning said the next number of weeks are going to be hell. That was his quote. Uh, how is your medical staff holding up? What is ICU capacity like?
5: Well, so far, Margaret, they're, they're holding up uh, well. It's, been, uh, it's really been a long haul since, uh, since the uh, COVID-19 pandemic hit us in, uh, in March. As we speak this morning, we are taking care of about 900 COVID-19 patients. We've seen over 22,000 patients uh, since the beginning of the pandemic. And just to put it in perspective, in the middle of April, when, uh, when we were at peak, there were nearly 3,000 COVID-19 patients that we were treating. Uh, we actually, that number decreased to about 50 at the end of the summer, and we've seen a steady increase to 900. Our ICU capacity is, uh, is getting stretched. We still have some capacity. We still have some uh, medical surgical capacity and capacity mm-hmm. in our emergency uh, departments. Our, our biggest challenge now, Margaret, is uh, staffing. Uh, because, uh, you know, in during the first surge, we were able to source staff from literally around the nation. But as you've been reporting, um, there's a surge all over the country now, so it's much more difficult to supplement our regular staff with, uh, with additional staff.
1: And what is access like to some of the therapeutic drugs that have been developed since the spring?
5: The access has uh, steadily uh, improved. We've been doing um, clinical trials uh, since the uh, since the beginning of the pandemic. But uh, remdesivir, as an example, is uh, is much more readily available. Steroid treatment is available. Convalescent uh, plasma therapeutics are also available. So that has really helped us uh, with this uh, second wave and the second surge. So mm-hmm. we're seeing, you know, we're seeing a different age distribution. So there are younger people that are hospitalized, but they are recovering without having necessarily to uh, utilize critical care we've been able to prevent more people from uh, from going on ventilators uh, but we also have more tools in the uh, in the tool chest uh, with these therapeutics they, they are definitely helping
1: well one tool you'll be receiving uh, in the next 24 hours or so are these uh, vaccine doses and frontline healthcare workers as you know are going to be able to receive it um, i'm wondering though how do you actually execute that in your hospital. I mean, you're describing a surge of patients. Your doctors are working around the clock. Can you take them off the clock to give them a vaccine?
5: Well, first of all, let me just say that we are really excited about um, making history here as we uh, start to vaccinate the, uh, the American people. I truly believe this is going to be the beginning of the end of this terrible pandemic. We've been planning for the vaccine um, arrival and distribution literally for months. Mm-hmm. We have a vaccine coordinator and a team that's been appointed. They have been uh, working out logistics, um, including uh, obtaining the, uh, the ultra cold freezers, working out a distribution plan to all of our hospitals. And you, you right, rightfully point out that staffing is the biggest challenge. But I have to tell you, I've been very inspired. We are getting volunteers, as an example, private physicians in the community, Wanting to help us vaccinate retired nurses that um, are coming back to help us uh, vaccinate uh, frontline uh, team members. And also, we're working with our own medical school, so medical students will be involved in the process, as well as uh, nursing uh, students from uh, various nursing schools. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, our, our frontline team members, um, you know, they've been through so much, but yet they are willing, um, and this really inspires me, they are willing to come in on their day off to help vaccinate their colleagues. Wow. So we have a good uh-huh. team of, uh, of vaccinators, uh, you know, that will start. We're going to yeah. start by vaccinating yeah. um, team members that are uh, that interact directly with patients. Mm-hmm. Um, that'll include doctors, nurses, respiratory therapists, but also include people who support uh, those frontline caregivers, like environmental service aides and patient uh, transporters. And we expect, based on the supply, that uh, we hopefully uh, those frontline team members that I speak about. Hopefully, we will able to vaccinate all of them over the next three to four weeks.
1: Okay. I know you also uh, operate uh, long-term care facilities, nursing homes. Um, CVS says they were told not to begin vaccination until December 21st, even though they received the vaccine before that. The Health and Human Services Secretary told us that was all a big misunderstanding. Um, What is the plan at your facilities? What is CVS telling you?
5: CVS is telling us, and this is the latest information as of this morning, is that uh, they will start to uh, vaccinate our long-term care residents the week of December 21st. Okay. So that's the latest information I have. I did hear the secretary's interview, but the latest information I have from CVS and Walgreens is that they would start on the week of the 21st.
1: Okay. And do you have any idea why it would take that long, given that nursing home, uh, you know, that the elderly are so vulnerable?
5: I, I don't really because, you know, the CDC has clearly said that the, uh, the first groups that should receive vaccine are frontline healthcare workers and long-term care right. uh, residents. So yeah. I, I just assume that that would start at the same time.
1: All right. Thank you very much. And good luck to all of your staff in, in the weeks ahead. We want to go now to former FDA Commissioner Dr. Scott Gottlieb. He is also on the board of Pfizer and he joins us from Westport, Connecticut. Good morning to you. Um, Good morning. I WANT TO START ON THE BIG PICTURE. YOU FORECASTED LAST WEEK THAT WE'RE NOT GOING TO SEE PEAK HOSPITALIZATIONS FOR AT LEAST SIX WEEKS. Uh, THE CDC DIRECTOR PUT AN EVEN MORE DIRE TIMELINE um, ON THAT, SAYING 60 TO 90 DAYS, WE'RE GOING TO HAVE MORE DEATHS PER DAY THAN ON 9-11 THAN ON, than on PEARL HARBOR. HE WAS TALKING ABOUT ON EACH DAY. HOW DO YOU SAVE LIVES AT THIS POINT?
10: Look, the pressure is going to be on the healthcare system, and we need to keep the healthcare system from getting maxed out. They're not going to see peak um, burden on hospital resources probably until mid-January, late January. You are seeing some hopeful signs around the nation in terms of a slowing of new cases in the Midwest and the West in particular. But you're seeing an acceleration in cases in the East Coast and the West Coast. So the entire country isn't going through this pandemic at the same time. Um, New York, California, were a little later to have an acceleration in cases, so they're going to be later to peak. We are seeing some signs that there is a slowing of new cases in the parts of the country that were hit hardest the first, which is particularly the Midwest and the West. So cases are likely to continue to increase through the end of December into early January. We're likely to see a peak at some point in January, but the burden on the hospital system is going to continue for another three weeks past that.
1: You heard uh, Mr. Garrett say there that um, the nursing homes he operates have been told by CVS that they can't begin vaccinations until December 21st. CVS says that's also what they were told by the Trump administration. Health and Human Services Secretary says they're wrong. Um, Does it make any sense to you as to why they would be asked to delay vaccinating the most vulnerable?
10: Well, the current guidance by CDC to the two pharmacies that are going to be going into the nursing homes, Walgreens and CVS, is that they can't begin until 12-21 um, giving those vaccinations. They're going to spend this week getting the consents in place. Now, it's possible that they try to get into some nursing homes this week, but the bulk of those vaccinations right now, according to the CDC guidance to the states and the pharmacies, is that they can't begin until 12-21. They'll work through getting the consents in place from the individual patients and their family members this week. Those weren't put in place in advance. Once they start, they're going to start with the skilled nursing facilities first, but it's going to take them three weeks to work through all the pharmacies. They'll get the sniffs done, the skilled nursing facilities, which are the highest acuity, probably in the first week, but it'll take three weeks total to get through those, those nursing homes. There's about 45,000 in the country, so this is a big undertaking.
1: I understand it's a big undertaking, but the, there are vaccine doses being made available before then. Why? I mean, it, this seems like a costly delay since the elderly are so vulnerable.
10: Look, it's a very costly delay. There's 50,000 new infections in nursing homes every week right now, probably more than that. And we know 20% of people in the nursing homes who are infected will succumb to the infection. So there's a lot of death happening in these nursing homes. I think the critical issue is that the consents weren't in place. You have to consent the patients. They want to get all the consents in place before they go into the nursing homes. Why? Because they didn't do it in advance. I think they could have. They could have provided a fact sheet. They could have cleared a fact sheet with the FDA maybe provided a limited emergency use authorization just for the nursing homes to get that information cleared so they could have properly consented patients. That wasn't done. We are where we are right now, but that needs to be done this week. They need to consent those patients. And in some cases, they'll have to go to family members because they'll be dealing with patients, unfortunately, who don't have capacity to give consent for themselves. Mm -hmm. So not an easy task, but probably something that should have been done in advance.
1: Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. It is good news, the vaccine's out there, but now getting it out to the people is the really complicated part. And that's being left up to the states to figure out. I know you talked to governors. Uh, What are the biggest choke points?
10: Well, the last mile problem is really the complexity here. People talk about the cold chain, but the logistics in this country are very good. Pfizer, which I'm on the board of, is shipping in a box that can keep these vaccines properly stored for up to 10 days and can be refilled with with dry ice and kept even longer. You can keep it up to 30 days by refilling with dry ice. The issue is the last mile, um, dealing with trying to get into the community to get these vaccines distributed. And initially they're gonna be distributing to hospitals for healthcare workers and nursing homes. So that's a little bit of an easier challenge. You know where those institutions are, you can get to those individuals. Once they go into the community and start trying to vaccinate, for example, elderly individuals who might not be able to leave their home, They're going to have a challenge getting into those parts Mm -hmm. of the country, especially in in disadvantaged communities. If you look at what's happening with the antibody drugs right now, some states aren't distributing those very evenly. I'm told some states really aren't making use of them. They haven't distributed their available supply because they've had challenges getting those systems up and running. I think that's a, a, a concerning harbinger for the challenges they're going to face with the vaccine in that last mile challenge.
1: The health and human services secretary said those criticisms from governors were all just a matter of politics. But you're describing real problems.
10: Well, look, this is happening on a bipartisan basis. I talk to and advise Republican governors and I've talked to Democratic governors. They have challenges on the ground, especially once they get past this month. This month is a little bit of an easier task for them, and I don't mean to trivialize it, it's still a challenge, but going into the hospitals and the nursing homes, they have big institutions that they can work with, the big pharmacies and the hospitals themselves. Once they try to go into the community, that's going to be where the challenge is. I'm not sure the country's prepared to do that right now. The governors Mm -hmm. have about a month to get ready because they're not going to be doing that until January.
1: You've already been on the record um, earlier in the week on CNBC saying Uh, Pfizer did indeed offer Operation Warp Speed the option to buy more vaccine after they knew it was effective, after they'd seen the data. Uh, And the Trump administration continues to dispute those details. Um, But I wonder what you think of the the overall supply question right now and whether uh, there is adequate supply to meet that target that you heard the HHS secretary say, uh, 100 million people vaccinated by February
10: look i can't speak for the supply beyond beyond pfizer pfizer has manufactured most of the doses that they're going to deliver in december so they said they'll deliver 25 million doses to the united states 25 million outside the united states most of those doses have been manufactured at this point they've committed to deliver up to 100 million doses in, by the end of the first quarter of next year and i believe they'll hit that target uh, i'm pretty confident the company's going to hit that target beyond right. that You know, Pfizer hasn't secured an agreement with the U.S., and I can't speak to the other manufacturers.
1: Right. Um, And I know that the secretary has said they've been talking since October about buying the supply that still exists. Um, on Pfizer's shelves, so to speak, or in terms of what they could do this year. Um, Do you understand what the secretary was talking about in regard to uh, exports and supplying the vaccine outside the U.S.? The president continues to say Americans need to get it first.
10: Well, look, the federal government has all kinds of authorities they can try to invoke. I'm not sure what they're prepared to do. This is a global supply chain. Um, there's vaccines being shipped into the U.S. and there's vaccines being shipped out of the U.S. and there's ingredients being shipped into the U.S. globally. So I'm not sure that they want to step in and try to disrupt a global supply chain where we're dependent upon other nations as well. But um, it remains to be seen what they're willing to do. They have an oppo- They had an opportunity, they have an opportunity, at least with respect to Pfizer, to contract for more. This is an American company. I'm sure we'd like to work with the federal government, the U.S. government. Right. And so the company stands ready, um, and I'm sure the other companies do as well.
1: All right. Dr. Gottlieb, good to talk to you again today. In October, we spoke with voters around the country ahead of Election Day, and we wanted to check back in with some of them about their willingness to get the coronavirus vaccine. Now that the FDA is endorsing the vaccine, does that make you more willing now to take it?
7: No. Why? It's too rushed. It's too rushed. And there's just too many question marks still for me, Um, like how effective it's going to be, how long it will actually protect you. And I'm afraid that it's going to give people a false sense of security. The social distancing, I think, will stop. People will stop wearing masks. They'll just think they're protected. So I'm really concerned. Mildred, you were reluctant before to
1: take the vaccine. Given where we are now, have you changed your mind?
7: I haven't changed my mind. My biggest concern is how, you know, money has entered the equation. You know, when you have money, pharmaceutical companies, and politics, um, this, the, this, it's a scary scenario for me. I have concerns. It's not really fear, it's concern and cautious. I'm very cautious.
1: Gotcha. And Lori, you had said um, because of underlying health conditions for you, you were extra interested in the availability of this vaccine and you would definitely take it.
7: Yes, I have so many more concerns about what would happen if I contracted the virus than what might happen from a vaccine. And JR, you were also hesitant. You didn't necessarily trust that
1: the government would be giving you something that is safe. Do you still feel that way?
11: Oh, of course I still feel that way. I don't know what's in the drug.
1: What would change your mind?
11: I will go talk to my doctor in January. Last year, in December, I was very sick. My wife was very sick and my oldest son were very sick. And on Christmas day, we couldn't even have Christmas together. And so I went to the doctor like two days after Christmas and they said you don't have the flu. We tested for that. You don't have bronchitis, which you get every year. We tested for that. So since we have spoken, I went back to talk to my doctor in late October. He said, I believe you had the coronavirus. We just didn't know what it was so let's take a test took the test have antibodies for it
1: wow
11: so, yeah would i take the uh vaccine yes eventually yeah i would take it but uh not right away no
1: beth you are more than willing to take the vaccine even though Um, you weren't necessarily living in fear of this virus. Uh, You said you'd still be willing to take it. No, I'm actually uh, going to continue to rely on my own immune system. I I firmly believe in um, taking control of your own health. Um, I have been very ill. I I live with a disease now that I I will always have. And keeping yourself healthy and
7: free of pre-existing conditions is probably the best possible thing you can do.
1: Lori, you were a Biden supporter, if I remember correctly. Walter, you supported President Trump. The two of you are the only ones from this group so far who say that you trust the government and trust this process and would go ahead with the vaccine.
7: Who said I trusted the government? I'm, I'm from the government. I'm here to help. I run into the night screaming.
11: No, I, I
5: listen. Uh, I, I don't know enough about the vaccine contents. Mm-hmm. I, they, they, I do realize they had this under study a long time before uh, the pandemic struck. If you're going to trust anything, trust the fact that the pharmaceutical companies want to make money. They sure don't want to be set back, mm-hmm. and what a disaster would happen if they if the, these things came to market and were at best not functional, at worst harmful. So, in that, I trust.
7: It's not necessarily the government that I trust in this situation, but I believe scientists and epidemiologists, I have a pre-existing condition that I was born with and I can't do anything about it. And I have a lot of living left to do. And I really, if if there's anything out there that can help me get back to my normal life, which I miss quite a lot, I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. For me, I, I have severe asthma and my lungs are at 59% of their capacity without medication. And I can't do anything about that except take medicine to help with that inflammation.
1: Statistically, it is black and brown Americans who are getting hit the hardest by the COVID infections. There is concern that um, that black America in particular won't be willing to take it.
11: I don't think we're not going to be willing. I think it's more like we're just going to be reluctant Mm -hmm. and want to taking the time to make sure that this the side effects and everything is okay.
1: So you wanna wait, um, Jill for you. Um, and I know you've already said uh, as a healthcare worker, you would arguably be one of the first in line, but you're, you're skeptical of this.
7: I love the job that I have. If it's required for me to keep that job to have the vaccine, it's done. I'll roll up my sleeve tomorrow, you know. Mm -hmm. Would I willingly do it? No. But if it's what, you know, it would take, then, I mean, of course I will, you know. Because there's some things that are mandatory for us and we don't have a choice as healthcare workers. You do what you have to do, but I wouldn't go stand in line and sign up for it, you know, just to to volunteer for it. Absolutely Mm -hmm. not.
1: And we'll be right back.
7: Have you ever covered a carpet stain with a rug, ignored a leaky faucet,
5: pretended your half-painted living room is supposed to look like that? Well, you're not alone. We've all got unfinished home projects, but there's an easier way. When you download Thumbtack, it's easier to care for your home from top to bottom. Pull out your phone and in just a few steps, you can search, chat, and book highly rated pros right in your neighborhood. Plus, you'll know what to tackle next, because Thumbtack is the app that shows you what to do, who to hire, and when. So say goodbye to all those unfinished home projects and say hello to caring for your home the easier way. Download Thumbtack and start a project today.
4: Looking to instantly upgrade your Mother's Day gift from typical to meaningful? Shop Etsy. Get up to 30% off well-crafted and personalized gifts from participating shops until May 12th.
1: PRESIDENT TRUMP CONTINUES TO CONTEST THE ELECTION DESPITE LOSING THE POPULAR VOTE, THE ELECTORAL VOTE, AND APPROXIMATELY 50 COURT CHALLENGES IN ALMOST SIX WEEKS. TOMORROW, THE ELECTORAL COLLEGE MEETS TO CAST THEIR BALLOTS. AND THE LAST STEP IS FOR CONGRESS TO FINALIZE THAT RESULT ON JANUARY 6TH. CBS News Elections and Surveys Director Anthony Salvanto has some insights as to why Trump voters want the president to keep fighting to overturn the election. Anthony joins us this morning from Westchester County, New York. So, Anthony, every state has certified the election results. Every vote's been counted, some recounted. Why do some Republicans continue to insist on overturning the results?
2: Well, morning, Margaret. So a majority of voters describe the election now one month on as over and settled, time to move on. But eight in 10 Donald Trump voters say it should still be contested. Now, why is that? Well, a similar majority of voters call Joe Biden the legitimate winner, but eight in 10 Donald Trump voters say they do not see him as such. Now, why is that? Well, it's more than just maybe a typical frustration after an election loss from partisans. Donald Trump's voters take his word that he has evidence of irregularities, evidence of fraud in the election, casting that doubt on the process, not just the outcome. And so, looking ahead to that Electoral College vote that you mentioned, once they do vote for Joe Biden, it is half of Donald Trump voters who say that the president should still, after that, not concede. Margaret.
1: And Anthony, we should note that no evidence of widespread fraud has uh, been shown to date, and the Trump campaign has been unable to substantiate its claims. Good to see you again. That's it for us today. Thank you for watching. Until next week, for Face the Nation, I'm Margaret Brennan. Today's guests were Health and Human Services Secretary Alex Azar. Incoming senior advisor and President-elect Joe Biden and Congressman Cedric Richmond CEO of Hackensack Meridian Health Robert Garrett and former FDA Commissioner Dr. Scott Gottlieb. The executive producer of Face the Nation is Mary Hager. This broadcast was directed by Allison Hawley. Face the Nation originates from CBS News in Washington. For more Face the Nation we're online at facethenation.com and you can follow Face the Nation and CBS Radio News on Twitter and Instagram. Face the Nation is also rebroadcast on our digital network, CBSN, at 11 a.m., 3 p.m. and 6 p.m. Eastern every Sunday.
0: If you like Face the Nation with Margaret Brennan, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at wondery.com slash survey.
11: Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.
7: Hi, this
8: is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News Business Analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch Podcast.